We're in the midst of a sermon series that is called I Am, and this morning we are looking at the fifth of our I Am statements. I'm calling my sermon this morning, 5 p.m. on December 2nd, 2019, and I'd like you to go back and remember exactly where you were at that moment, and I dare say probably none of us who are here today or watching our service can remember, even though that's really just a short time ago, but to try to think about 5 p.m. on December 2nd, 2019, we'll show later in our message why that's the time and the date I chose But this morning, as we look at our fifth I am statement, I'd like to remind you what we've learned so far from Jesus. In the Gospel of John, seven times Jesus says, I am. The first one we looked at is Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And that was on Communion Sunday one month ago. And we likened it to Christ feeding us and why we do celebrate communion together. We then heard how Jesus said, I am the light of the world, that reminds us of how he lightens our life and and gives direction to the hurting world that we live in. That was followed by Jesus saying, I am the gate, which we saw how that's a protective nature that Jesus has over us, where he literally becomes like the early sheep and, and shepherds had, a person who laid in the gate to protect the flock. And then, of course, The last one we looked at just before Pentecost Sunday was Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, which reminds you and me that Jesus is the one who guides us and directs us. And he's the one that we can trust in because not only is he our shepherd, but he, of course, is the good shepherd. He guides us in a positive and loving, caring manner. Today, we are looking at the fifth statement where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. It's an interesting moment in the ministry of Jesus when this takes place because Jesus has been called to Bethany because a good friend of his, Lazarus, has been sick. And Mary and Martha, who is Lazarus' brother, has hoped that Jesus is going to get there before Lazarus dies, and then the scripture tells us that Lazarus passes away. If you read the entire chapter 11 of John's Gospel, you'll discover that the shortest verse in the Bible takes place in this passage, where we're told that it's one word in Greek, Jesus wept. You see Jesus' love and emotion, not only for Mary and Martha and for this friend who died, but Jesus' love for each one of us. And now that Jesus has has arrived, and Jesus is there, and his friend Lazarus has passed away, Jesus makes this most bold of all statements in which he says, I am the resurrection and the life. What's amazing about that statement is like the other six I am statements, it is the truth. It's the truth. And sometimes we forget the importance of the truth. Here the truth is Jesus is the resurrection of the life. But also in that statement, the truth is that Jesus is I am. And we've talked about that a few times as we've looked at these passages of Scripture. I am is the Hebrew word Yahweh, which is the same word that was used when Moses stood before the burning bush. 
And when Moses asks God, who's speaking through that bush, who are you? Who should I tell Pharaoh and the Egyptians is sending me? God gives his most personal of all names. He literally just says, I am. I am that I am. So now the truth is, as Jesus is declaring himself in these seven statements, I am, the truth is Jesus is declaring his divinity. He's declaring himself to be God. And so as we think of the truth in our life, that revelation is so important. Sometimes the Christian faith can almost become a thing in which we sort of talk about moral behavior and nothing else, but the truth is we need much more than that. We need this revelation from God breaking into our world so we know who it is that we worship and we know who it is we have a relationship with. But he not only says, I am declaring himself God, but the other part of the truth he says is, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, what we believe about Jesus will determine how we live. Let me make that personal for you. What you believe about Jesus will determine how you live. If you see him as a nice guy who lived 2,000 years ago, he's not going to have a great impact on your life. But when you get to the point of where you and I can accept the scriptures and the truth of the scriptures, and we see Jesus for who he is, God, the resurrection, and the life, it makes a profound difference. And as Americans, sometimes we've sort of gotten away from the truth, and we've almost made everything sort of my truth versus your truth, and we forget the truth. And there is truth in this world. There is right, there is wrong. There are absolutes, and there are moral values, and there are ways to live our lives. Which takes me back to December 2nd, 2019, 5 p.m., the reason I chose that date is because the state of Arizona has an interesting law. Now, do not take this as my endorsement of the lottery or gambling. It isn't. But in the state of Arizona, they have a law that says that if you buy a lottery ticket over $600, it's valued at over $600, it expires exactly 180 days after you purchase it. 180 days after a person purchased a lottery ticket, happened to be 5 p.m. on December 2nd, 2019, the problem was that lottery ticket was worth $14.6 million. And so if you had not turned it in, and the person did not turn it in, by the time it needed to be turned in, they just lost $14.6 million. That's the truth. You see, the truth has implications for our lives. The truth is what we need to learn to live our lives by. And as we can accept and understand the truth, we start to realize that God can do some amazing things with us. That's why C.S. Lewis one time said, you know, we all need to figure out what we understand to be the truth about Jesus' claims about himself. Because if you and I went around and declared ourselves to be God, there'd be a problem. Or if Pastor Stan stood up here and said, I'm the resurrection and the life, you'd think there's something crazy about me. So what C.S. Lewis said, we need to come to understand with Jesus, it, he really only gives us three choices. He could have been a lunatic, because if he thought that he was the resurrection and the life, and he wasn't, 
And if he thought he was God and he wasn't, there's a problem with that. And if, again, if I walk around and declare to everybody that I'm God, you probably would be calling someone and saying there's something wrong with our pastor. Could they do something with him? The other possibility, other than being a lunatic, C.S. Lewis said with Jesus, is he could just have been an outright liar. He could have just been going around deceiving people, which would be a pretty awful thing because, remember, the very same people who understood and accepted him to be the resurrection and the life, who accepted him to be God, who trusted his testimony and believed in him, following his death, burial, and resurrection, many of them were martyred for their faith. So by him being a liar, it would be a very terrible thing of the tragic ways in which people have lived their lives. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians says that would make us the most pitiful of all people if it's all a lie and a sham. But the truth is the truth. And that's when C.S. Lewis says the third option is exactly what our text reminds us of today, that he is the Lord. And again, that's as we talked before, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which reminds us of the I am statement, that Jesus is Lord, he is God, he is the resurrection and the life, and that trusting in him and living for him and allowing him to guide and direct our lives is not some sham, we're not following some false teaching, we're not following some crazy person, but the truth is we follow the Lord of the universe. And the thing is, truth matters. Truth matters. So what you believe and what you trust in is going to make all the difference in your lives. And so for me, I wish to follow the truth of the scriptures and the one who has been revealed to us as being God so that I don't have shaky ground to live on and I hope in your lives, you've discovered the same thing. Because the other part of the truth is once we discover what the truth is, we always know that there are results of the truth. They're simply things that happen. Once you discover the truth, there are results. The poor individual who lost $14.6 million lost $14.6 million. That's the results of not turning in the lottery ticket to Arizona in the appropriate time. For Jesus himself, he gives us in John chapter 11, the results of the truth. In verse 25, he not only says, I am the resurrection and the life, he says, whoever believes in me, even though they die, yet shall they live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Yes, you see, all truth comes with results. When you and I discover the truth, we discover that something comes out of the truth, and it makes a difference in our world. It makes a difference in our lives. It's interesting, this last week, Regina and I, I mention it from time to time, love old gospel music. And I like records, and so I like to collect records. And right now, well, there's not any place that I can go to a store, so... I've purchased a few albums online, and if you go through eBay, you can read all about an album, and then you can figure out according to what they tell you the record is. You can either bid against someone, or sometimes you can make an offer, and, and somebody will accept an offer, and you can purchase an album, and so I purchased a few albums that way. 
And during COVID-19, when the stores were closed, one of my favorite gospel groups, a group called The Inspirations, I don't expect that you necessarily have heard of them, had an old 1975 record called Golden Street Parade that was on sale through eBay. Everything looked great. It said it was from 1975. It said the serial number or the, the number to identify it was CAS 9779. I looked it up. Everything certainly looked proper. It was a fair price, and it was advertised as new and sealed. Now, I bought new albums that had been sealed before, and it's kind of fun. You know, you get an album from 20 years ago or 30 years ago, and you get to open it for the first time. So I looked forward to the day that it arrived, and this last week, the record arrived. As soon as it opened it, I said to Regina, there's something wrong. And she said, why is that? I said, just look under the plastic. The album looks like it's all been damaged, the, the cover. And I felt the plastic that was on it, and I said, this doesn't even feel like the kind of wrapping that they actually would put on original albums. I bought enough records in my life to know what it's like, and it had been shrink-wrapped, and I took it out, and when I took the record out, it was all scratched up, and there were fingerprints all over it, smudged everywhere. So what I ended up doing is I contacted the person and I said, I have no idea how this could have happened, even though I had a pretty good idea. And I said, I'm sorry, this album is not a new record. You can take an old beat-up album and shrink-wrap it. It doesn't make it new. The results of an old album is it's an old record. The results of a scratched-up record is it has scratches on it that you can't get off, and when you play it, it sounds terrible, and it sounds all scratchy. The results of trying to deceive someone and shrink wrap something that is old is it will be discovered that you weren't telling the truth. Needless to say, I immediately got my money back. The results, the results of the truth, they happen everywhere in our life, and I get concerned when I watch Americans going around and thinking that everybody can just create their own truth, and we can't all just create our own truth. Jesus, however, gives us results of understanding that he is the resurrection and the life. That when we can accept the fact that he's not a lunatic, he's not a liar, he is Lord, he is God himself who came to earth, he is the great I am, he is the resurrection and the life, then when we believe in him, we're told that even when we physically die, we are spiritually alive forever. And so as much as it was hard for me to part with my mom and my dad and my older brother Ralph when he passed away a few years ago, and as much as it's tragic at those times and we're sad when we say goodbye to our loved ones, we know we'll see them again. It's a promise of Jesus. It's the results of the resurrection and the life. It's an amazing promise. It's an amazing reality of how to live our lives. It's an amazing thing of how to know that no matter what happens, God's with us, and we will be with Christ forever. But he not only says that if we die, we will live, he also tells us that we will never really die, which is really talking about true life, that when you and I accept the fact that Jesus is Lord, when we can come finally to terms in our life that he's a resurrection and the life, 
each and every day we can have life, abundant life, a better life, a better way of living our lives, because the problems and the concerns that we hold on to, the things that we're frustrated with, the things that we think are going to need to be solved by us, no, no longer need to be solved by us. We can give them to our Savior. He's alive. He's alive forevermore and wants to give us an amazing life. It's how he invites you and me to live our lives. That's why Francis Collins, who's a scientist and an atheist, was in North Carolina when he was doing his internship through the hospital that he was working with as a young doctor. And he had been trained to believe that there was no God and that belief was just craziness and stuff that people made up in their minds. And he started working with terminal patients. And he started to discover time after time after time that when he met these people who were terminal, that there was something different about them if they were Christians. That even though they were in the process of dying, they were living in an, in an amazing way. And in his book, The Language of God, he talks about it and he says, I have been trained to look at empirical evidence and I could not deny the evidence that was right before me that Christians who genuinely believed that Jesus was the resurrection and the life had a different perspective on life and were living in the midst of dying when others who had no hope were discouraged and frustrated and families were divided. And he said, I came to the, the conclusion that there had to be something there because I saw something there. And he came to faith in Christ and today he's a leading Christian thinker and an author and continues to be a scientist. He also happens to be the person who gave us the mapping for DNA. Amazing when we look at the evidence of what the truth is and how it makes a difference in our lives. John Wesley had the same thing when he was a young man and he was crossing the ocean. We talked about it a few weeks ago. And he was in the presence of these Moravians who when he was sure that the ship was going to go down and he and some of his friends were desperately sobbing and worrying about life was going to end, these other Christians were singing hymns and were happy. And afterwards when he talked to them, he said, weren't you afraid? And they said, no, we weren't afraid. We believe in Jesus, we trust in Christ and he's got our lives in his hand, and we'll never die. You can take our life away from this earth, but we'll live forever. And so in the midst of feeling like he was dying, he saw these other people living. That's what Jesus promises us. Trust in Christ is the resurrection and the life, and it's not just eternal life. It's a change in how we live today. It's having life today, every single day, no matter what's going on around us. You and I cannot change the things of our society. We cannot change COVID-19. We can't change all sorts of stuff that's happening in our world, but we can have life in the midst of it as we trust in Christ and have his life infused in us every single day because he is the resurrection and the life. And therefore, it all comes down to not just the truth and not just the results of the truth, but our decision. It's your decision. I can't choose for you how to live your life, and you can't choose for me how to live my life. In the story that is told in John chapter 11, Jesus is, I said, come to be with Mary and Martha after 
their brother Lazarus has passed away, and he's now encountering Martha directly. And in our text, if you look at verse 26, having declared himself to be the resurrection and the life, he turns to Martha directly and he says these words to her. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That's what it all comes down to, doesn't it? We can talk about the truth forever, but if I deny the truth, it doesn't really matter. It's going to lead me to some pretty dark and ugly places. I can see the results of trusting in Christ in other people's lives, but if I'm not doing it daily in my own life, it's not going to make a difference. So Jesus' question is for you and for me. is the same question he asked to Martha. Do you believe this? Notice he was talking to Martha. He wasn't talking to Mary. We know the stories of Mary and Martha. Martha was the one who always felt like she had to take matters into her own hands. She always had to do something. When Jesus comes to visit, it's Mary who's just quietly sitting and listening. And yes, it's Martha who's out busying herself with other things. And Jesus is constantly seems to be reminding Martha, just calm down and trust. Just pause and listen and trust. Martha, I believe, had a hard time believing. And sometimes she's sort of the patron saint of the 21st century Christian. Those of us who want to do and work and feel that we need to be in control and we need to do one more thing. And this morning's message is about understanding the truth. The truth of Jesus, who he is. Jesus is God. He's a Lord God Almighty. Come to earth to give his life for you and for me. And the results of that is to understand that with him being the resurrection and the life, he wants to give us life today. Eternal life, absolutely, but also life today. And how we live today. To be calm and at peace. And to know that he's in control. But never forget, it's your decision. Way back when I was in Bible college, a professor said to me one time, you know, Stan... God has no grandchildren. It's a personal relationship with each one of us. And so as we continue to study through the resurrection and the life, these seven statements of Jesus, let's understand who he is and the impact he wants to have in your life and mine as we put our faith in him, not just for eternity, but for today and how we live our lives at this moment. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a chance to be together in worship. We thank you that despite some things that can go wrong, the important thing is that we put our faith in you, and it's not about us getting it right or getting our service right or getting worship right. It's about worshiping and honoring you and trusting in you. In our own lives, we pray this week that we can experience you as a resurrection in the life. We can see the truth of who you are and the results in our life. We thank you for the love that you had for Mary and Martha, for Lazarus. We thank you that he, you did raise Lazarus. But then again, only to pass away from this life again. But to show us most especially that you want us to have that abundant life that you promised for each of us. Help us take our concerns and give them to you this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.